This is the Outrage Machine. In this series, we'll be unpacking some of the most difficult issues of our time. So much of our discourse has broken down. And been replaced by mob rule. your job to be taken from you. The abandonment of science and reason has led to unimaginable suffering. GMO's gotta go! Conversation is the first step. Welcome to Mindwave. This is Jenner, and this is episode one of The Outrage Machine. I don't have a name for it yet. Maybe I'll figure that out. Uh, My guest today, who is helping me launch this crazy new endeavor, is Rio Veridineer, returning. Rio, welcome back to Mindwave. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's awesome, man. You are the perfect person to help me like start to try to unpack some of this stuff because so much of it is just about just confusion on basic terminology and you are the one of the most clarifying humans on earth uh as far as i'm concerned uh in terms of just a a lens through which to put things in fucking focus and really just the clarity of terms that you're a fucking superhero in that domain so that is why you are here uh, we're just going to break it down. So, uh, I, I wound you up a little off air. I'm just going to let you go <laughs> do your thing, man. Welcome. And, uh, tell us about why you're here. Well, my understanding is you wanted to talk about, well, I mean, I guess, first of all, I would ask you just, can you remind me like what the outrage machine, right? That's the title of it. So what, what, what exactly are you wanting this, this series it's, to focus on? It is the social phenomenon of just chaos and discord and hyperpolarization into tiny little pockets of warring ideological nonsense 
the abandonment of reason, the rejection of expertise, the denial of science, the the denial of basic dictionary definitions, and everything just being fueled, our entire social discourse being fueled by outrage of all these hyperpolarized little pockets of warring tribes it's it's there's no discourse anymore it seems public discourse seems to be a losing uh it's falling out of fashion let's say so uh, this is my attempt to reclaim conversation by trying to unpack some of these little ideological pockets of outrage so that it's going to cover a lot of different uh areas but the common thread is that kind of just like rejection of reason the the going back to the uh you know the lizard brain monkey brain thing just <laughs> abandoning all, all all human thought in in devolving is is how i see it so is that a fair yeah no, I, <laughs> i've never I, tried I, to package I, it before i don't know <laughs> well i i made you you yeah <laughs> I mean, that's sort of your job, right? Well, yeah. Well, that's going to go in the intro. I haven't produced this, this whole thing is going to get its whole whole intro theme, and I'm going to come in very soft in my nice NPR voice like this, very close to the mic, and explain exactly what the fuck. Well, I look to forward do. to hearing it, and I look forward to making the co-host of my podcast, the Moving Forward Podcast. Um, I, my name is Rio Verdenier, but I go by Rio Publican. Um, in the moving forward universe because we think that's funny. And my co-host, Corey Cottrell, goes by Corey Kratt. And the idea is we basically just uh, talk about policy. We talk about values and philosophy too, although he tries to make me talk only about policy because he's big bleeding heart mama bear who only cares about like trying to help people and he doesn't actually care about the poli-sci philosophical shit. And, you know, I love that about him. Um, but like, I, I think this could be a useful thing for him to listen to because I've noticed that like in our discussions on the podcast, when I try to bring up a lot of the concerns that you just expressed, he thinks that I'm just playing games with semantics Mm. or that I'm just trying to do the thing, the crying wolf thing that a lot of people on the right are admittedly guilty of doing right. You can only call Barack Obama a socialist so many times before people stop taking you seriously when you use the word socialism hmm. um, and them doing that is really a betrayal of the political right, because it's only going to increase the odds that when a real socialist comes along, the public isn't prepared for it. So you wanted me to talk about conservatism specifically. Hmm. Well, you, where, you, where, where? you have, you're coming from an interesting place politically. And it, I try not to focus on that because a big part of this is the rejection of, of identity, but um, contextual identity, I feel like is, is relevant um, because your, your, your rationale and your your reasoning, it, it makes crystal clear sense to me who I don't, I don't carry any tribal identifiers like classic liberal, but essentially if you had to put me on a fucking graph, I, I, that's where I'd end up, you know, but we, uh, the overlap there is, is huge. We agree on virtually everything. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so. a really broad category, right? Yeah. And you <laughs> well, are I mean, classically that, that... conservative, which in, encompasses a lot of classically liberal values like freedom of thought and, and expression and et cetera. 
you know. Yeah, I would I would phrase it slightly differently. I would say that like oh, conservative and yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, okay. So the so I wanted to finish the point I was making about semantics, right? Which is it's really not about semantics. It's about ideology. It's about getting to the root, like the ideological intellectual bedrock for why an individual might prefer this set of policies over that set of policies, right? It could seem very mysterious to a more liberal-minded person that somebody would prefer Bernie Sanders's communist-adjacent federal jobs guarantee to something like a universal basic income, right? Um, but it makes perfect sense if you understand that the goal of the old guard left is exactly the opposite of Andrew Yang's goal. goal Andrew Yang wants to preserve capitalism and help capitalism transition into the information age in a way that reforms our social safety net, um, which is really, honestly, the only reason we have things like welfare and stuff is because we want to try to appease the masses so that they don't cause a bunch of trouble and do something stupid like vote for a communist or a fascist. Because when that happens, no matter, like they might think they're doing it in their own interest, but it always just ends up tearing society apart, makes everybody poorer and makes everybody less free. So some people who cannot be relied upon to take care of themselves, unfortunately, we have to have some way of providing for them because that's an essential part of preserving the things about society that conservatives care about, like democracy and individual liberty. Right, right, right. I was trying not to talk. I, <laughs> I'm trying not to talk about Andrew Yang. We talk about Andrew Yang way too much on the show. No, uh, not that I've that could be the last time I mentioned him. Com- <laughs> complaints, but uh, but you know, I'm I'm being mindful of it. Um, but you know, in in along those lines, you're absolutely correct that you know he's he's shattering that kind of thing and getting people outside of their bubbles for the first time uh, in realizing right exactly. And I've had a lot that- of Bernie Sanders supporters tell me that. They're, they want capitalism to fail and that the goal of policy for them is to hurry it along. They want America to fall apart. They want our con- economy to collapse. This is literally what they're trying to do. And they will tell you themselves this is what they're trying to do if you push them on it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that like the average Bernie Sanders supporter is not really that well versed in the philosophies that underlie the worldview of their movement. They probably just like him because he seems to care about regular people and he quote stands up to the man and he speaks to the little guy and all that stuff. And it's about them trusting him and putting their faith in him. Not unlike how Trump supporters put their faith in Donald Trump. It's just that it's misplaced in both cases. Yeah, no, I've, I've compared, I don't know if I've done this on the show. I know I've done it online compared compared the fandoms because they there it is creepily similar it is it is a a cult of personality it's not it's not a legitimate like you look at the yang gang which is a natural grassroots organic movement which is kind of what bernie's base used to be like the throwback like way back in the day it used to be kind of like greenpeace greenpeace is and is an excellent this is a bit of a tangent but greenpeace is an excellent fucking uh analog here because they started off very like hug the trees we're gonna go save the whales all very good you know like not ideologically radicalized but they have that under their belt they wear that as their badge oh we've been fighting for the environment for however many decades but now they've been ideologically 
hijacked by people who are actively fighting against advancements in agriculture that improve, you know, production, reduce emissions, increase food security, address vitamin A deficiency in the developing world, which is causing millions of death, deaths and blindness in children. Like they're, they've turned into literally eco-terrorists. You have them burning crops of a test crops that are meant to feed starving countries. You know, it, it's the same kind of phenomenon happening there among the, the fandom, the, um, among the, uh, torches and pitchforks part of it, not necessarily like, it, at the top. I think Greenpeace has been probably taken over by some ideologues, which is why the initial founder stepped down. I don't think Bernie is, a bad guy. I don't think he's an ideologue. I think his his mob, that's where the problem is. And there could be some leadership things at the top. I did come across that YouTube video of something purporting to be one of his his campaign managers talking about, you know, burning cities to the ground and shit. Uh very like fucking burn it all if Bernie doesn't get it. Uh, this is a total tangent, but it, it totally plays into this outrage machine theme here is it's radicalization is the thing that we're, we're talking about and, and returning to core principles, you know, founding principles, you know, that's really what appeals to me again. Last mention of Yang is that return to (laughs) return to our founding principles, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that that thing and that is the end i swear listener if you're sick of hearing about andrew yang it's the last i'm gonna mention him real go man (laughs) sorry that was helpful (laughs) well okay yeah no i really i know you didn't intend for this to be a conversation about Mm -hmm. specific political personalities um i just brought up those examples because i was trying to make a point about when you're discussing ideology you have to use words and it's not just about you know, picking a semantic fight, right? It's about there is a direct through line from a person's worldview to their preferences and policy. And if you only look at the surface, which is their policy positions, <laughs> which is already several layers deeper than the average American looks, if you just look at the surface level policy prescriptions, you are missing the underlying ideas behind why they have those preferences. And you can't have a conversation about that without using some of these labels that people try to dismiss as just semantics. Words like conservative, words like progressive, words like left and right, words like socialist, words like capitalism or laissez-faire as non-Marxists call capitalism, <laughs> right? And so like you, you just, you just can't, you can't just, you can't just look at the surface. You have to think about why does this group of people have this preference? What, or even just why does this one individual I'm talking with on Twitter have this preference? And if you really push them on it, a lot of times people will just tell you and you'll be shocked at how incredibly horrible the beliefs of some of our fellow humans are. Um, There's a reason that for most of human history, civilization was a crapshoot, right? We live in the most peaceful, prosperous, and free time in human history. Is it a utopia? No. Will it ever be a utopia? No. Could it be a lot better? Yes. Could it be a lot worse? Hell yes. It has been for most of history and it's easier to break things than it is to fix them. And we need to kick the radicals out. They have no place 
having a conversation about politics with grownups and a civil society. No, I 1000% agree. And and the point you were making there, it reminded me of this Washington Post poll that came out that was just a totally different framing. It wasn't like which candidate, which which personality are you most excited about? It's like uh, which which one agrees most with you? And then they frame a bunch of questions to you. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about X, Y, and Z. And then at the end, they tell you which one of those candidates lines up most with what you already believe instead of asking you to, you know, blindly pick a side, which I think is like if we if we kind of return to like that kind of individualistic, you know, treating people as like, you know, what are your thoughts instead of what tribe are you, you know, how do you feel about X issue or Y issue and, and unpack that instead of the other thing, you know, it's, it seems more productive in my mind. Right. So why do we think the outrage machine is so loud and so powerful right now? That's kind of the, the crux of what you're trying to get at with the series. Is that right? I mean, ultimately, ultimately, I think the answer is it's just easy. It's just easy to be, especially because we're being gamed into being outraged. Um, you know, this is a very deliberative process that's being, especially on social media, is the algorithms absolutely incentivize and fuel this kind of thing. So it, it is this naturally yeah. emergent, incentivized fucking um i, I want to push back on that slightly yeah um i obviously agree i mean it's undeniable that you know the algorithm that facebook uses for example is particularly bad it's really just looking at very blindly what do people like to see and what they consider quote like to see is stuff that they engage with right, right. whether it's a positive or negative engagement right doesn't matter Right. Yeah. And so it's not that algorithm by itself that's causing the problem. It's that combined with something about human beings that make us want to engage mm. positively or negatively with certain kinds of content. Right. And so ultimately, it really is reducible to something that is going on in human discourse right now. Um, historically, we've had more gatekeepers. We've had people who decided what got published and what didn't. And apart from somebody spreading a pamphlet around here or there, certain voices were actively excluded. And I think in hindsight, it's starting to look like that might've been a damn good thing. <laughs> the problem with gatekeepers, of course, is you can't always be sure that the right people are in that position. And that's the downside of that. But historically, the what right people were largely in that in those positions in Western society. That's how we made it as far as we have. Were they all saints? Fuck no, right? I mean, Jefferson had slaves. I get it. He was a bad guy. He was also way ahead of his time in a lot of other important ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, I, I think it really is just because both options are clearly on the table. I think outrage is just easier. It's easier to not think i think it's the same thing it's intellectual laziness it's just the like i don't just give me a flag you know tell me tell me what team i'm on so that i don't have to think about this 
anymore. I, I really think it it really just is a laziness thing, which sounds condescending, but it really explanation wise makes the most sense to me. I think one of the main goals of this series is just to start having these conversations out loud so other people can hear them so that they can realize, oh, uh, it, that that's possible. Conversations are possible with people you disagree with. And you and I don't disagree, but it, that's that's the spirit of it is this return to discourse about complicated shit. Uh, nuanced when, I, when I'm talking to somebody who agrees with me, I get bored pretty quickly. And then I instantly start looking for areas where we disagree. Yeah. Oh, that- and that that's not because I just feel like being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. It's because there's literally no possibility for intellectual growth. If you only talk to people who already agree with you about everything. Um, the, the, the echo chamber that, we choose for ourselves through the algorithms is preventing us from growing and it's bringing out the darker sides of us. But these are things that are in us. We can't just blame Facebook. Yeah, no, they, I think yeah. that it starts with us. There is a, a personal responsibility uh, element to it. Again, that's very much in line with, you know, individualism, freedom. Uh, you absolutely have, you know, you can choose not to play this game and the way you do that is to have conversations instead, instead of getting sucked into the ideological circle jerks where you only interact with people who, you know, all have this kind of brainwashed cult doctrine that they all spew out, <laughs> you know, there's no, no individual thought among them, uh, that, that phenomena, which, which, you're absolutely right. This is a deeply rooted evolutionarily. There has to be something knocking around in the genes to explain this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it probably had to do with earlier primates organizing into, into social hierarchies or something. Well, um, but the, we, the, 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 go ahead. I'm no, sorry, go ahead. The, the, the way that we fix that is the way that we're better, you know, we have brains, we can yes. talk, you know, th- this is our fucking superpower. You know, there's reasons that uh, chimps don't build metropolises and it's because their communication skills aren't great and they can't cooperate in large numbers. Humans, that is our fucking superpower. We can cooperate in large numbers, but that requires effective communication and not shutting down and excluding yourself into little ideological pockets where you don't expose yeah. yourself to ideas or people who disagree with you or make you uncomfortable. That's, that's, that's a fucking rant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, obviously everything about us has our roots in, in biology, right? I mean, you, if you're studying culture, yeah, there's a layer of culture on top of biology, but it's never completely separable from biology because literally everything about human culture is like a product of something about our biology to begin with, right? Um, so I, what I would say is that the intellectual f- forebears of modern civilization um, really started with the Enlightenment. Um who were people who were just rediscovering ideas that existed in the ancient world that were only toyed with and never really fully fleshed out back then, but which had been suppressed during the dark ages. Um, And they were just basically saying, look, 
there there are things about human nature that no matter how much we we wish they weren't there they're there right we've tried this thing of scaring everybody with the boogeyman santa claus jesus and that didn't work um maybe there's a better way of doing this maybe there's another way of trying to force humans to move toward their better angels instead of their worst demons and the best idea that anybody has come up with so far is that you you recognize that conflict is inevitable and human beings are innately a selfish species. And so you try to channel that conflict, that inevitable strife in a positive, productive direction. And democracy is about channeling political strife in a less violent and more positive and more productive direction. And it really only works when people compromise because people don't all have the same values and priorities. Unlike what populists like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump would have us believe. We have different values and priorities, which is why compromise is necessary. Compromise isn't a four-letter word, <laughs> you know, and and the people, the only people who benefit from denouncing centrism and compromise are radicals. And if you're a radical on one side, you have every motivation to convince everybody around you that the only alternative to your radical idea is some other radical idea, Right. The people who get screwed are all the same normal people in the middle who don't hold a radical idea and who are actively erased by that way of thinking about it. So democracy is about channeling the innate conflict in politics in a less violent and more productive direction through compromise. Capitalism is about channeling innate competition economically in a more productive direction. And the outrage machine right now is directly threatening both of those institutions in a way that could turn the clock back on human progress in a truly devastating fashion if we don't turn the boat around really fast. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm like, this, these. I need to contribute my voice to this conversation however humbly I can immediately because it's, it is, it's systemic. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in academia. It's happening in the environmental movement. It's help, happening in the medical industry, it's happening, you know, health and wellness, it's happening, it's like across the board, everywhere, it's a, it's a systemic fucking problem. And so much of it is so complicated and so nuanced and so controversial. So many of the nuanced views are going to come off as extremist by, you know, to these people who, as, as you were explaining this this you get into this false dichotomy oh if either you believe in open borders or you want a, a medieval wall with a moat and crocodiles there's no you know you can't you bring up oh well actually if we just had optical sensors and we, you can't make a nuanced argument like that i fucking i'm on the i'm on the fucking uh tangent here but it's like you mentioned the enlightenment and about getting back to something that was already there innately there i think both are innately there we have that weird monkey brain lizard brain thing that wants us to organize an outrage tribes but we also have that higher part that wants us to fucking sit down at the table and and figure shit out and that part is more powerful but it's easier to just turn off and go on fucking autopilot but you know when people get to the end of their lives, they realize they've lived their whole lives on autopilot and they go, well, fuck, 
well, at least I'm going to heaven. You know, that's their, their solace, but it's, it's just like, isn't it, isn't it better? Just, just like, take a little time, think a little harder, think it through, talk it through, talk to somebody you disagree with. Why the fuck not? I mean, it, that's, that's how you progress society forward. That's how society, like, I, I keep bringing it back to the, it, there are so many false dichotomies on the fucking table. There's one real one and it's conversation or war. I've said it on the show like probably 14 times now. That is a real dichotomy. Those are our options, guys, in terms of how we move forward as a society. Either we embrace this idea of respecting people as individuals and allowing everybody their own individual freedoms and exploring ideas and, you know, returning to that kind of agora, you know, and this absolutely needs to happen in academia like 10 years ago because that used to be the bastion of free thought and, and discourse and exchange of ideas. And what's happening there is fucking terrifying. That's going to probably be several episodes <laughs> in this series. Uh, good listener. But it, I mean, it, the problem is so fucking big, but it's, you know, that's first step the first step is just talking about yeah it, it is a it i mean it it is a problem in academia um but not everywhere in academia there are certain fields in academia where it's a bigger problem than others oh, absolutely and in place right and in places where you wouldn't think it would show its ugly head at all it's starting to show up there too um you know you mentioned science for example well it's not really scientists who are embracing these anti-scientific ideas in academia. What it is, is it's people from outside of the sciences coming in and trying to say things like, well, science is inherently patriarchal. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to or, which a scientist says, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? Shut up and let leave me alone in my lab, you crazy wackadoodle, right? As they should. Um, what we need to do, I, I agree with you that conversation is the alternative to violence. Um, but well, and I also agree with you that, of course, as I already said, we should make an effort to talk to people we disagree with. Um, but there's more there's I feel like there's a, another ingredient to avoiding the outra outrage machine that we're missing here, which is rationality. Right. And because I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, just talking to anybody who disagrees with you is equally useful, oh, right? Of course. Some people are probably a waste of your time and conversation is the alternative to violence, but conversation doesn't have to mean pretending that all ideas are equally valid, right? Conversation could real. be conversation could be saying <laughs> you are clearly ignorant. Your ideas make absolutely no sense. Um, and you're really not going to be taken seriously in this conversation because you have demonstrated that you don't deserve to be. So you can keep making your noise and you can go vote for whomever you want to vote for, but I am under no obligation to pretend like your ignorance is equivalent to somebody else's expertise. I fucking love you right now. That, oh my God. I'm going to, that, that's my ringtone. That's my new ringtone. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That is that is that is it in a nutshell. It's just like the the marketplace idea of ideas. It's it's just like they're not on equal footing, and and it's just like yes, conversation is is the tool to move forward. Um, war is more powerful, you know. 
that it's how it conquered the world. We we conquered the world at the edge of a sword and not at the page of a book. I mean, well, no, technically, I guess it was both. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the violence part, or the or the war part, it's it's easier to devolve into that. Um, fuck, mm. I was losing my train of thought there. Yeah, I'm, no, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm, you were basically I'm, saying that violence that there's a place for violence, but that it needs to be a last resort, right? Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, well, let me let me let me bring this back to to Trump for half a second because this is kind of funny, right? <laughs> so the thing is, he ran as like an isolationist, right? He ran using the America First anti-intervention isolationist platform. I think partially because he is so ignorant about world affairs that he would not have been able to credibly express any other position. Because <laughs> the best way to cover up your ignorance about foreign policy is to say, it's all bad, <laughs> right? And it's the easiest get out of jail free card you could possibly have. And it's one that the morons just lap up. But despite having run that way, he is doing more to make us less safe and to increase the odds of us getting involved in another world war than any president since world war two. And the reason I say that is because he is absolutely destroying our diplomatic department. And when you, as you've been saying all along, when conversation breaks down, violence is the only remaining option. Yes. He's turned off the part of our government that talks to people and he's alienated our allies and he's cozied up to dictators He's backed out of nuclear deals that were working. <laughs> and, and well, well, he was complaining. He was complaining about the fact that, like, um, about the fact that Iran got some of the money back that we froze because they were complying with the nuclear deal. Okay, so he unilaterally pulls out of the deal. Did he, did that bring back the money? No. So the outcome of that little toddler temper tantrum is they got to keep the money, and they no longer have to comply with the nuclear standards that's making the world a safer place. I don't mm -hmm. think so. Isolationism, putting your head in the sand and pretending you can ignore the world is not wise. It's not going to make conflict less likely. It's going to increase the, the outcome, the, the likely outcome of conflict. I mean, it, foreign policy, this is the most extremely nuanced, toughest job in the world. And the fact that we gave it to this fucking orangutan, which is an, insult to orangutans is is mind-boggling in the first place because the the amount of nuance there the the calls that you have to make because of course it's it's like you have situations where conversation isn't necessarily going to work because you're talking to a dictator you're talking to uh, it's like tr debating a creationist you're not going to get very far with them but saying it out loud getting the conversation out loud is going to be enough so that your allies, you get enough people to where it is culturally enforced obsolescence of bad, stupid, fucked up ideas just by, and it, this kind of does sound like mob mm -hmm. rule when I, when I'm actually trying to <laughs> put it out loud, but like the, in the war of ideas, like some need to win and some need to win fast and they can mm -hmm. be won not by winning over the fucking idiots but by winning over the cultural by by shifting the zeitgeist in a direction that makes it no longer culturally acceptable to hold those views it views it's the same thing this is what explains the civil rights movement 
the gay rights movement. And it was because, uh, okay, like Stetson Kennedy uh, infiltrating the KKK and leaking that shit to the Superman radio show is the perfect fucking example of this because it's just getting it out there, bringing the Mm -hmm. fucking flashlight into the darkness and exposing this shit that destroys it and makes it functionally obsolete just by cultural default because we no longer tolerate that shit. You know what I mean? We need to get there with the identity politics. We need to get there with so much of this crap. We just need to evolve past it. Well, I mean, what we need to do with with identity politics, I have noticed um, it's not very effective to just tell people to give up identity politics. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's another loaded term that uh, that means something different to everybody and triggers people. And anytime I say it, people think I'm Milo Yiannopoulos. So uh, (laughs) thank you for thank you for uh, pushing back on that. That It deserves a flag. It deserves a flag. It's a term that I use, too. And it's a term that we should treat with contempt and ridicule. Mm. Well, not the term, but the 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 people who ascribe to it. but the problem is the actual individuals who ascribe to it are not amenable to any argument about why it's bad because they are trapped in a zero sum worldview where they are convinced that they're in a dichotomous conflict with an evil other side. And they are suspicious of anybody who is not 100% on their side, right? It's the whole, like, you're either with me or you're against me thing. So we really are getting to the heart of um, the outrage machine here. Yeah. Well, you know, if the outrage machine has a core, it's that idea. It's this idea that I am completely right, my side is completely right, and the other side is completely wrong, and if you don't agree with me about everything, then you're part of the enemy. There's no room for nuance. There's no room for compromise. There's no room for common ground. And identity politics is problematic because it always fosters that mindset. And not only that, but it connects a speci- the sides. It connects like your side and the other side to something wholly divorced from what the, the sorts of things we should be talking about. You know, you, it's, it's um, all white people are bad, right? Or all men are sexist. And... You know, you'll literally hear people say things like, there's no such thing as racism against white people. And they they do that by redefining the concept of racism. This is something that tri- has trickled down from academia. They redefine racism to mean systemic prejudice, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just individual prejudice. Because it's pretty obvious that there are individuals with prejudices against white people. <laughs> right? Like... You can't deny that, right? But you say, oh, it's about systemic prejudice. And all of a sudden that makes, you know, okay, maybe that's one kind of racism, but it's not the only kind of racism, right? And so identity politics, it it, it, it forces people into black and white thinking. It forces you into demonizing people. And if you're demonizing people by their skin color, that is the definition of racism. That's about as racist as you can get. Exactly. Oh, but by the way, by the way, so the systemic prejudice thing doesn't even really apply because like what is affirmative action if not state sponsored systemic systemic prejudice against white men? 
Like it literally exists. You sound like, okay, I, I had this conversation. This is so, it's awesome how much overlap there is. Cause I was talking uh, to Boone about this earlier because it it's like, it, holy shit. Somebody, somebody get Tucker Carlson on the phone. The white genocide is real. Like <laughs> I something I, I took, I had, to take screenshots of this because it was, it was such a perfect um, example of this. So this is from Bloomberg earlier today. Uh, this episode is not going to come out for a while. So that's, I don't know what the date is today. Fuck it. So this is Goldman um, refuses IPOs. Uh, if all of the director, all of the directors of a company are straight white men. So they're saying they're no longer to, going to take a company public in the U S or Europe. If it lacks a director who is either female or diverse, and it, on on one hand, if you're very woke, that sounds oh well, how progressive of them they they want representation, and then and then the the me the asshole stuff by so in other words, they're discriminating against people based on their skin color and sexual orientations. Sounds liberal as fuck, guys. Like, <laughs> come on, come on. You ironically, you mean as in not yeah right? Oh, g- give me a break. That is the most illiberal. Yes, we are going to d- discriminate on your company based on the skin color and sexual orientation of the your board of directors. Holy fuck, that's illiberal. And these people are <laughs> purportedly on the left and and are like waving the Democrat flag. Yeah. I'm like, "Whoa. You guys aren't thinking this through. It's 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 this it's the toxic mixture of arrogance and ignorance. I don't need to know that. I know everything I need to know. It's the same thing that you see in, and, and this is like, mm. it's the same thing that you see in anti-vaxxer parents. Oh, I, I know more than the doctors. I did my Google research. It's the same thing that you <laughs> see in the fucking fundamentalist Christian Christians, you know, like, oh, I, I know the origin of the universe. I read it in this 6,000 year old book full of fairy tales. It's the same thing. Their answer is good enough. And it's like ignorance is bliss is a real thing, but it's only bliss for the fucking ignorant for the rest of us. It's a goddamn nightmare. It's a minefield and it's the war, the ultimate war of civilization that I think is ultimately going to determine whether we become an interstellar (laughs) multiplanetary species or turn the earth into a fucking cinder. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah, and we're at a crossroads right now where both of those things are almost equally. This is it. Likely. Like this is literally it, real right here. We are so on the same wavelength here. We are on the same mind wave uh, to, to go there. That and that's exactly what this show is. And we are very different people, but we are seeing the same show. We're like, oh, this bad. We the, a course correction is it, it needs to happen. Like it, it's kind of like it's a global warming. It's like well do something yeah, now well, and or let this me, is like over guys yeah let let me uh let me offer some context for what i said about affirmative action mm. right um Please. nuance it's it's i just r- raised it at not necessarily to take a position on it although i'm happy to do so right but i just raised it as an example of um like undeniable state-sponsored systemic um, discrimination against men and and white people, right? And straight people while we're at it, and Asians while we're especially, at it. Especially, especially um, Asians. Well, if we're if we're gonna, yeah, Asians fuck, really get the short yeah, end of the stick academia, there because they, I don't, they are cursed. Yeah. 
<laughs> they're cursed with being so damn successful. I, I hate to so point it out. We really but, have yeah. to like knock them down a peg because don't you know that in order to raise all boats, you have to sink the biggest boats. Yeah, it anyway. it's it's the same thing. It's <laughs> why people hate Charles Murray for exposing the data that uh, by population group Caucasians had a, a, a higher average IQ than um, African Americans. Th- this was something that was exposed in the data. He didn't invent it. Is it was something some thing that revealed itself, which is anytime you're doing statistics on large groups of people, you're going to get results that are surprising and go, huh, it's important uh, as somebody who kind of understands statistics to note that the variability within those groups is greater than between them, meaning each of those groups is more diverse by itself than they are different from each other. But everybody focuses on that one thing they say oh his research claims that white people are smarter than black people everybody fucking focuses on that they've strung the guy up decades ago i forget how long ago yeah he's this this guy is untouchable okay does anybody does anybody talk about that same data indicating that on average, by population group, Asians are even smarter than white people. No, nobody talks you know about that. You know what somebody should do? Some somebody may have done this already, <laughs> um, but if not, then we should do it because <laughs> I think you could probably just do like meta analysis of existing data. Um, but basically, I would like to see uh, IQ broken down by zodiac sign. <laughs> Right? The, oh my god! Because I, I, I can predict just, right. <laughs> I'm just like pinching myself so hard. I'm like, holy shit! This is episode one of the Outrage Machine. Did I really just bring up race and IQ? But it was such an illuminating point. <laughs> but you are absolutely right. That is just like that kind of thinking that gets you to go there in the first place. It only it's fucking toxic. It only goes one direction, and that's bad. Like we need to not. Be yeah. Well, that's like, that's. That's not quite where I was well, going with that. I mean, I think I think that they're I think that classifying like, humans vilifying. by race and correlating that to genetic makeup and it, that that <clears throat> expresses itself as things like skin color. I think that's total shit science. Don't <laughs> why would why f- focus on other things? Uh, I mean, sure, between population groups as an evolutionary biologist, but as as intelligence, I, I think research that is just way too. Why would you touch that? Well, it's just, it's just, if you take, if you, if you take a a body of data and you divide it up in some arbitrary manner, it's, it's not going to be the odds that they're all going to be exactly the same average of IQ are close to zero. Right. So it's, I mean, you, you would, you should be shocked if it were the case, no matter how you divide it. Right. You could divide it up by like cat people and dog people (laughs) if you wanted to, it's not going to be exactly the same average because it's two different populations that doesn't mean that there is a correlation or or i guess there's a correlation that doesn't mean there's a causation it's not like being a dog person makes you dumber it could just be that in the timeline that we're living in right now dog people happen to be slightly smarter (laughs) like whatever it's not that big of a deal right and like the fact that people are so offended by that data that they went and vilified this guy is is like just it shows that they're taking it too damn seriously. It's it's the same thing. Like, of course, you would not 
expect to see the same thing in both places. Although I'm realizing we are both sounding very much like Sam Harris right now. <laughs> um, you know, statistically, if we're looking at separate groups, it would be miraculous if they looked exactly the same. But it really is this just like men are on average taller than women thing. That's just a very basic sentence. But this is enough in in some circles and some universities to have people, you know, unplug your fucking microphone and, and scream on their way out the door about what a fucking uh, misogynist you are. I, I'm talking about a specific professor. I don't know what, it, but that's, that's really, that's really the thing that we're talking about here is, is this, ah, oh, fuck. And it's why it's so hard to unpack, especially for like me, because the biggest barrier to trying to open up conversations about this stuff is I know that I'm not the right messenger for a lot of these issues, especially, you know, like because of my <laughs> cisgendered white male privilege, I, I'm not allowed to have opinions about a lot of this stuff. Um, and I know I'm going to touch a lot of areas that are going to piss a lot of people off. Not everybody's going to agree with me. So this is like my, Oh no, 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 no. Like, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse there. Uh, my, um, boyfriend who is, an immigrant from Mexico and who is a person of color, right? Which means he's, his opinions are infallible, right? Wrote a piece called What About Whitey? Um, a, a, a persuasive essay um, recently where he basically just said like, you guys chill out, white people aren't the enemy, right? It's a, it's a more nuanced and interesting um, argument than that. But that's the gist of it, right? right? Like not all white people are bad, Maybe focus on your the actual enemies and not just attacking all white people, basically, mm -hmm. right? He has been told to sit down and shut up so that queer people of color can be heard. And he's like, dude, uh, you know I'm brown, right? Yeah. It's like you're silencing. <laughs> so me. it's not it's not about silencing. It's not about silencing white people so that brown people can talk. It's about silencing reasonable people so that racist lefties can mm -hmm. talk. I literally, God, this is another one of those overlap things because I just had this conversation with Boone because she's very much open to discourse. She actively seeks out people who she disagrees with and tries to unpack it. You know, like this is this is the thing in in the other creators out there. Like I found that in her and I found it in Connor and and she's Asian American and she appreciated but she was the first person to jump to my defense the other day because I had a scotch fueled rant for the Yang gang. I don't know if you saw it. Okay. But I was being inundated because I, that's the best kind of rant <laughs> because I had, you know, building this, this show. I, I have, I'm in the Yang gang everywhere. Okay. I'm in a gajillion hey, wait, groups. Dude, what about the IQ? What about the IQ breakdown of people who prefer, brown liquors to white liquors <laughs> wait wait wait! you're gonna you you're putting me off my game i'm prejudiced <laughs> against vodka drinkers man <laughs> oh fuck i had it so so i i see everything as as far as because i've been there since the beginning essentially i've seen all the, the little groups develop all the little yang gangs i'm apparently an admin for the Yang Gang and Mayor Pete's hometown. Like that's how connected I am for some reason within the Yang Gang. So I see everything in 
inundated with Andrew Yang being left. I know I wasn't going to talk about him again, but this is a perfect thing because we're not talking about him as a candidate. We're talking about him as, as a politician in this, in this landscape, because let's just stop making promises. He was (laughs) left out of the debate because of fucked up qualifications. They didn't conduct enough polls for him to qualify. Um, But there were all of these people just screaming, screaming, Oh, the debates are all white, and this is so racist that they left Andrew Yang off. And it and it got to the point where, like, this was right after a um, it, th- th- this was a a nationalist of some sort, a Taiwanese nationalist or something, came to my page and was posting all over my page, like, secure the bloodline, Yang. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's like not humanity first at all. <laughs> um, so I had a little Scotch field rant where I was just like, Yang gang, can you guys can't play this game? Like, can we stick to humanity first? Can we stick to that message? And I was upset. I was pissed off. Cause I'm like, this is, you guys can't whip out the racism card every time, you know, there's some kind of like oh, the media bias is real. We know that part's real, but like by whipping out the race card, that's extreme. That's a dangerous card to play. That was the the gist of my argument i didn't make it great because again i'm not the right messenger for a lot of these things but it needs to be said somebody needs to call it out nobody was calling it out as far as i could see of like telling the yang gang like whoa chill with the race card like can we get that's that not in line with humanity first like this is not a victim contest like we're we're not trying to make we're not trying to get Andrew to win by marginalizing him. That's the wrong tactic. Um, but Boone was one of the first people to jump to my fucking defense, and she's an Asian American. Like, and I was I was combating the bullshit racial Asian stereotypes and that thing, and saying like, by calling it out as racist, you're doing the same thing. You're playing the same game. And she was one of the first people to jump to my defense. She's a woman. Uh, she's a fucking Asian American and she gets fucking crucified. She, because of just because of the people that she talks to, she's the, one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my fucking life. Just like doesn't have a mean bone in her body, but she was worried about coming on the show to talk about things like this because of the conversations that she has, because of the ideas that she fucking expresses. And she's constantly told and demeaned and marginalized as a woman of color, you know, like told it like, no, if you, you're not, you didn't grab our particular brand of pitchfork, you don't get to have a voice. And that is fucked up. Like that's fucked up. So this is, it's all coming together kind of organically in a really beautiful way. And I fucking love this. And you are the perfect fucking, like I said, like listeners, I'm sure at this point, you know exactly why I'm like that, that guy, that, that one right there that on, that's a mind wave ping right there. Like this, this issue that I'm trying, he's better at this than I am. This is him admitting my own ineptitude here. I'm, I am bad at this, but I, I have to try it. I have to try. It's too important. <laughs> I don't think you're that bad at it. So a point that I kept trying to make is that um, it's not it's not just the quote left who is obsessed with identity politics right now. Oh, of course. Um, not. Right. So I mean, as somebody on the political right, I am more frustrated by the quote alt right and the rise of Trumpism in the GOP than the left is. Um, and I can tell you with personal experience that there's nobody Trump supporters hate more 
than a never Trump conservative. Yep. That's why they were all too ready to piss on McCain's grave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, not all of them. Right. But like the alt-right in general, its intellectual foundation, whether or not every single person who identifies with that term is aware of it or not, the intellectual foundation of the alt-right is swimming in Marxism and identity politics through and through. It's left-wing. Their policy preferences are left-wing, and they are all about the oppression Olympics. The The only way they, the only place where they disagree with the the woke social justice left is which side they take in the identity politics war. But boy, do they take a side. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like the reason why I focus on the left so much, and it's I guess it's the reason that Sam focuses on the left so much, this seems more dangerous to me, especially because it's it's wrapped in righteousness. I mean, you see it you see it with on the other side too. It's kind of wrapped in that holy righteousness, holier than thou thing. Um, but it's, it, it feels more personal to me. And I think it, it feels more personal to me because it's coming from the left for the same reason that it feels more personal to you because it's coming from the right. If it, I, again, like I don't have other words in my vocabulary other than left and right. I, I know I'm not using them correctly. And <laughs> you are the person who, who triggered that like sub process running on the hard drive of my brain to like send a flag every time I do that. Um, but like this feels more personal to me. You know, I grew up fundamentally liberal. I grew up believing in women's rights and gay rights. I got involved in the pride movement when I was like 12 or something. You know what I mean? Like very passionate about it. I grew up going to support groups for, you know, this and that. It was always on the left. I it grew the first time I ever voted was for Barack Obama and I was fucking thrilled and it, it, to see it come from there. It feels more personal. It feels like that. I don't know. Does it? Right. So by the left, you mean like the democratic party? Well, I, I don't know. There's not a good way to fucking categorize their, these people is there. And I think that's ultimately the problem is that like, Labels just don't exist for a lot of these things yet. And I I think as as toxic as the current label system is, maybe this maybe the solution might be more labels. Um, you know, looking at the alphabet soup, that's probably not, you know, like I'm apprehensive about embracing that idea as like a, maybe we need some more labels, but like we need to be able to call out the thing that we're calling out. And we need to be able to do it in a way that's clear and concise and is not going to automatically yeah. trigger people well, I mean, into the outrage machine. Basically. Every every word is a label, yeah. right? I mean, it, nuanced conversation would literally be impossible without labels. That Labels aren't the problem. The problem is people aren't using them correctly. Yes. Um, and when you don't use them correctly it makes conversation very difficult. Um, you know, if one person is using the dictionary definition of a word and somebody else is using the colloquial definition of the same word, they very well could be talking past each other, right? And that is where semantics really does come in. And of course, the exact word that you use is is arbitrary, right? You could call it 
liberal or you could call it blue turquoise, the, you know, the sounds coming out of your mouth aren't the relevant point, right? The point is the ideas underneath it. And those are not arbitrary. Those are things. Those are ideas that exist in the mental space of human beings and that have consequences in the real world. So we have to talk about them. And the only way to talk about things that complicated is words. Yes. I was just reminded of a sci-fi film that I saw a couple years ago. I was thinking it was Jeff Bridges and I was, I was Googling and I couldn't find it, but the movie starts off in black and white and it's very like, what the fuck is going on? And it's some, it's clearly some kind of future thing, but it, it, it looks like a, a utopia, but it's like a, okay, something's clearly going on here. But then what, what you learn slowly is that it's just like clarification of terms is like very like much built into the whole thing, but there's this whole si systemic oppression of individual thought and liberty kind of theme built into it. I cannot remember for the love of fuck. I can't remember the name of this movie. It was really good, but it, yeah, it, as like, as they slowly start discovering this, uh, it's, it comes into color. It's f fucking fantastic film. I, uh, if I find that I will put it in the show notes. I have, I have weaker Pl pleasant. Film? No, no. It's one of those like sci-fi dystopian things that, but the, the clarification of terms thing that, that was like a, although I think in that, in that context, that that was very much like um, like it's <laughs> I, I I don't know where I was going with that, but it, it just it, like all of a sudden that movie was flashbacking in my mind. I was like, Wait, that that is it. That's really it. It's just about getting us all on the same page. And holy fuck, god damn it! I'm gonna do another Harari plug because it's that it, we have to agree on what the words mean. Like the only reason that a football team from Brazil can play a football team from Sweden in the Olympics or whatever is because they both agree on what the rules of the game are. They don't have to un they don't have to speak each other's languages. They just know how to play fucking soccer. You know what I mean? And that's how that's how cooperation among large numbers of humans works. We have to agree on like the dollar is the perfect example. And I understand I'm just parroting shit at this point, but we all agree. A, a dollar is just a piece of paper, but we all agree universally. And this is actually kind of fucking amazing. If you think about it, no matter where you go on this planet, that piece of paper, everybody on earth with very few exceptions agree that that is a dollar and it is worth a dollar and they will give you something for that dollar. That is an amazing thing. We just need to take that, especially because we're becoming globalized, which is ca causing so much of this conflict between all these, you know, like smaller, you know, separately evolved, if we want to use that kind of <laughs> quasi, uh, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Uh, you, but you know what I mean? It, it, it takes that universalization. It takes, we need to universalize these ideas in the way that we've universalized the American dollar in the way that we haven't yet universalized liberal values throughout the world. Like that is the middle of the war that we're, 
that we're stuck in all of the quote Western oh, countries. You colonialist Yes, monster, exactly. You. How yes, dare exactly. You? <laughs> but you know what? That it requires colonialism. And I I understand how complicated and nuanced and fucked up this is because I have on the show several times criticized the Crusades and the Inquisition for like, let's take this ideology and conquer the world with it. But I think this is a healthy one to do it with. Can we just like we all need to get on the same page? in terms of what our values are, what can like a dollar equals a dollar. That's like one equals one. That's as long as we can all agree on really basic fundamental shit like that, like everything else builds up from there. That's how societies are built. You know, when we don't, yeah, it really actually comes down to it. it, Right. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. It it comes down to Karl Popper's um, like, concept of the paradox of tolerance, right? Um, Liberalism is fundamentally a tolerant worldview. Um, But you can't remain tolerant while tolerating intolerance. And so you have to draw (laughs) the line somewhere. Like one of my favorite sayings, I, I don't know who to attribute this to, and it's not as hoity-toity as Karl Popper reference, but I like, you know, keep an open mind, but not so open-minded that your brain falls. Carl Sagan, (laughs) bro. You have to draw a line somewhere. But that was Carl Sagan. That was Carl Sagan. I have that shit on a t-shirt. He is hoity-toity as fuck. (laughs) I have that shit on a t-shirt. Keep an open mind, but not so open your brains fall out. That's a Carl Sagan quote, and it's it's fucking timeless. I literally have it on the t-shirt. People who are enemies of pluralism are going to try to use our Western values against us. They are going to try to say that, for example, if you offer any criticism of the ideology of Islam whatsoever, then you're a bigot, right? Yep. Okay. But what if, what if my criticism of Islam is that it's bigoted, right? <laughs> like that's where that's where the um, that's where the the paradox of tolerance comes in. You it, 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 tolerance doesn't include tolerating intolerance, and 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 liberalism needs to stand up. Like, okay, here's the thing: I actually disagree with Sam Harris about the left being a bigger threat, um, and I'm going to clarify that by way of also clarifying a couple of terms for you. So bear with me, okay? Mm, please. All right. <laughs> so you you were saying you were using the word left and right, and you immediately realized like how incredibly convoluted and confusing yeah. that is <laughs> semantically. And you're right, right? We need so better language. The reason I like the terms, well, the reason I like the term left and right is, is the terms left and right is precisely because they actually don't mean Democrat and Republican. Hmm. Um. So the if you if you if you look at like the global Overton window. The Democratic and Republican establishment are both right of center. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when you're talking about the right, you're talking about Clinton and Obama and Biden in, in, in the global scheme of things. You're actually really talking less about Trump. Trump really belongs more. He has more in common with someone like Bernie Sanders yeah. than he does with those guys. Um, and the reason this matters is because when people get caught up in 
team sport mentality and partisanship. And they think all Republicans are good or all Republicans are bad or all Democrats are good or all Democrats are bad. They're missing the fucking point, which is what is the worldview that the individual person running actually holds, whether they have a D or an R by their name. That's what matters. So here's where here's where I part ways with Sam Harris's analysis on this stuff. He falls into the trap, which he can be forgiven for because most people in the media do. He falls into the trap of pretending that left is a synonym for Democrat. And that's not an entirely unreasonable thing for him to do, because if you look at the traditional like Overton window within the context of like parochial American politics, the Democratic Party has been like social liberal or social Democrat, which is the left side of the liberal spectrum, but it's still liberal and it's still right of proper socialism or communism. Okay. So it's left of something, but it's not quote the left. It's just that it was as far left as reputable politicians dared go in the United States after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Does that make sense? It in exquisitely illuminating. And that is precisely why you're here. Like I, I'm sure. Right. And so my point yeah. is, my point is it's, is that Donald Trump is not quote the right. He's alt right. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Now I know you know this cause I'm sure you've heard me say this before. Cause I say it all the time. If they were actually right wing, you wouldn't need to put the word alternative in front of it. Yeah. That's worth the thing. So I think that the alt right is exquisite. I think that the alt right is exquisitely dangerous because it's left wing. And I, I think that the far left and the alt right have managed to persuade a lot of people through the the enemy of my enemy is my friend fallacy to reject a centrist, sane, sober, democratic view that human beings should compromise with each other. And that is right there. That's where the outrage machine is coming from. And Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump both benefit from it. They may or may not be bad people. I mean, Donald Trump is is, is probably a bad person, just judging by the yeah. way that he's screwed over his investors. And I mean, his, his like everybody in the business world knew that he was a scumbag long before he ran. Unfortunately, it just took the average American too long to figure that out. Sanders may or may not be a bad person, but him dog whistling to communists is just as disgusting as Trump dog whistling to Nazis or the KKK. And for a very clear reason, the track record of communism in this world is just as bad. And (laughs) I've had actual Bernie bros try to convince me that North Korea is secretly (laughs) a, you know, communist utopia. And that the only reason we don't know that is because of the hashtag fake news. They literally talk just like Donald Trump supporters. It's fake news, this, and you can't trust the establishment that they're anti-intellectual. I mean, I I, honestly, from my perspective, I have a hard time telling them apart. A lot of the times I couldn't, I couldn't guess based on, you know, just a handful of statements, which one was talking. But I could definitely tell it was one of the two. Yeah, it's it's a trip, and and a lot of people don't see it, and it's it's starting to come out, and it's starting to come out among Warren's supporters too, not not to the same degree because she doesn't have the um you know the quite the history, uh, baggage wise you know that Bernie does because he's been doing this since what fucking like the seventies or some shit. 
So yeah, Warren is it, an interesting yeah, case. I don't I don't quite know what to make of her. Um, I don't either, man. Like I'm my concern. How how to put this? I mean, she's like an ex Republican, right? Who mm. I don't know if you know that, but she she was a Republican. Oh yeah, um, it's like Hillary, pretty much. Yeah, like she Hillary was, Hillary two point She's woke now, but you know, I, and I do. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like history. Elizabeth Warren today <laughs> is definitely left of Hillary Clinton. I'm not saying that they're in the same place on the spectrum. Hillary Clinton is right of Donald Trump on trade and foreign policy. Warren is is probably left of Trump. Um, but that said, is she as far left as Sanders? No, I don't think so. If I had to choose between the two, she would be the lesser evil for me for damn sure. I mean, for one thing, she at least calls herself a capitalist, and that matters. That really matters. Bernie Sanders, by spreading the lie, the lie that democratic socialism equals social democracy, because the words sound similar, <laughs> that's about the extent of his reasoning, is directly contributing to the miseducation of an entire generation. And it's brainwashed yeah. millennials and Generation Z into thinking that Norway is socialist. It's not. Yeah. Fucking ask Norway. It, it it's the it's the equivalent of walking into a geography class and saying that Finland is Cuba. It's like Yeah, it's that level of no, ignorance. I I was I actually really got, is. I actually got in a fight with Corey my my co-host today off air. We our biggest fights are all off air because that's where we that's where Why? We, you need to work. That's where we bitch, all just break okay, up every I, other day. I'm I'm going to get I'm going to get real with you. You need to record that shit at post roll, like pre roll, post roll. Keep that, put it out for your subscribers, the people who pay for your show, like I do. Um, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, you know, you're not a friend of my show, but it's fine. It's fine. I support your show. You guys should keep all that content. No, keep that and keep it as after show content. And you guys, like, fucking you can't use universe though you can't call it you can't call it the moving forward universe because i i already claim that shit <laughs> i we, we I have actually whole, started we have actually started producing <laughs> content that's exclusively for our patrons we're doing something called buzzed book club where we announce mm. in advance that we're going to read i a, saw that yeah, yeah right so we, we announce in advance we're going to mm -hmm. read a book and then we get really drunk and talk about the book and we only put it out for our patrons not the general public because I do not want everybody in the world to see what I am like drunk. <laughs> that is hot. I, I want to do like a drunk politics thing and a drunk history thing. That's kind of along those lines. Um, if I can do so without Derek Waters suing me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much, I, I, I dig that, but yeah, people, people love the pre-roll and the after show shit because it's, it adds so much more color. You get to feel people yeah. as humans. We, we have I'm started trying, adding Easter yeah. eggs at the end, um, that are a little bit Damn. like outtakey, you know? So that's fun. But anyway, so this fight that I had with him was about this exact <laughs> topic, right? Which is he, he, he does the same exact thing that he's going to hate me for saying this. So I apologize in advance, Corey, but he does the same exact <laughs> thing that Trump supporters do, which is he, he tries to make excuses for the actual fucking words coming out of Bernie Sanders' mouth, right? It's like Donald Trump will go on national television and say, hey, I want to collude with Russia to influence the election. And then Trump supporters will be like, oh, he didn't really mean that. Or what he actually meant by that was yep. it was a joke or 
whatever, right? Or it's actually fine to collude with a hostile foreign power to influence democracy. That's totally cool, right? Like he'll literally confess to crimes on TV and they'll just say like, eh, that didn't happen, right? So Bernie Sanders every single day is shouting from the rooftops his hostility to capitalism and to liberal values in general, right? But, you know, my good friend Corey is practically like a brother to me at this point. Oh, that's not really what Bernie means. He just thinks he thinks it means, you know, like Scandinavia or whatever. Okay. So the thing I said to him was, look, if that's true, then that means that he's a lifetime politician who is so ignorant about politics that his mind would be blown out of the back of his head if he read the first paragraph of page one of any poli sci textbook. If he's that ignorant of the one area he should be an expert on, that alone is a good enough reason not to nominate that guy. And the fact that he's using his bullhorn to spread his ignorance and or lie, I think it's a lie, but even if it's just ignorance, to you know, credulous people who are coming of age in this political environment is a direct existential threat to the values upon which our country was built. It's really dangerous shit. I don't know whether in, in I don't know whether or not it rises to the same level as Trump's because of no, course Trump it is almost doesn't literally matter. a traitor and a criminal and yeah, all of that unique threat. Yeah, so you know, really low bar, but in the context of a normal a normal um, campaign, Bernie Sanders's behavior is disqualifying. It's beyond be. the pale. Grab him by the pussy should have been disqualifying, but yeah, it should it, have. This is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. Welcome to America in 2020. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Fuck me, man. This has been a, a fantastic just cracking of this particular nut. Well, I, I realize that before um, we sign out that I probably should say a few words about conservatism since that's actually what you asked me to well, talk about. You know, I I like to keep things kind of conceptually open. I just knew that you were like literally the person to help me try to start to unpack this because you're clearly made for this more than I am. Again, <laughs> like painfully self-aware here. But yeah, I I'm, I'm not trying to go or anything. That wasn't like a uh, TikTok <laughs> motherfucker like I got shit to do. I You're not I'm me out mindful of, bed yet. of your to, <laughs> no, no no oh no. No, we got lots of cuddle time left if you're <laughs> if you're free. Um but I know that you have a very important interview uh coming up here shortly with a presidential candidate. So I'm trying to be mindful of your time and I'm also trying to be mindful to not sound like Sam Harris because it's fucking it seems inevitable these oh, he's days. had a big influence on you he's it, had a big it, influence on you and there are work it, people you could clear, have chosen yeah. right he's he's yeah. one of the more interesting like public intellectuals out there as far as I'm concerned um, yeah I think the I, moral I, I, landscape I, was like the most in- compelling piece of of like nonfiction on the topic of ethics I've ever read. I thought it was. Oh my God. Mind- How is that it. not in my book club? Cause I have a book club, but it's just like, Hey, these are books that we've mentioned on the show. Um, you should go and read them or listen to them on audible or whatever. They're not affiliate links or anything. We just want to direct people to content. How is the fucking moral landscape not on there? Holy shit. I'm writing that down. Hold on. Uh, 
<laughs> okay, I'll just sit here quietly on air and won't wait for you to write it down. No, but seriously, like, um, the reason uh. it's a good book is because he he breaks through a lot of the traditional, like, um, the debates that academic arguments around ethics get bogged down in. Um, yep. He doesn't just dismiss them, right? But what he does is he cuts through them by basically by approaching the subject in a slightly different way and um, ends up helping you see that a lot of the academic arguments around ethics are um, red herrings really is, is what they are. It's not even necessarily that they're wrong. It's just that it's not a useful framework for thinking about anything that's going to, that's going to move the conversation forward, which is precisely why it's been, it's been stuck in those, arguments for a long time and professors of ethics, especially undergrad professors of ethics um, have like their incentives are a little bit fucked up because they're not really necessarily motivated to try to move past those things because they're experts on explaining these old arguments. <laughs> so they, they want them to stay relevant. Right. But then there's like people who want to actually move the conversation forward. And that's a, that's a whole other ball game. Yeah, there there was a point there. There was a, a a flag, a ding in my in my brain because you you'd said that you you disagree with Sam that the left is more of a threat, and I, I'm not entirely sure that's in a accurate. I I think he's because that that would not be the claim that I would make, and I I think he's closer to where I'm at, to where it's like clearly that's a threat it's way too easy to say nazis are bad that's that doesn't make for a very enthralling podcast it's it's more interesting and feels more personal and relevant to talk about the problems with the left if you come from the left so i think i think that's more of what it is is like that's why people like me and sam are focusing on this instead of the alt-right shitheads, even though as a, <laughs> you know, I, I I am a California leftist, crunchy gay liberal, so I, I have plenty of reasons to hate on the alt-right. I live, you know, a 90-minute drive from the kill the gays preacher who wants to string me up from a tree. It would be too easy. It would be too easy for me to hate on that motherfucker uh, even though he's probably six months away from getting busted, fucking a fourteen-year-old boy met on Grinder. It's it, it, <laughs> oh, that was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. It's fine. It's mine away. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Let me let me dial this back. Let me dial this back. I no, I did say I did. Up, maybe. Okay, I did say the words about the left. I disagree with Sam about the left being a bigger threat, but I I don't think Sam well, thinks it's a bigger threat. I let, think he focuses on it for. The same reason I, that I focused on it, rather than the Nazis. Well, the Nazis are you're, too easy. You're right. You're right. That that you know talking. You would think that talking about why Nazis are bad would be a, a boring and uninteresting conversation, but considering that their ideology is increasingly acceptable in our society, um, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. But here's the thing: that where the nuance in my disagreement with him really just stems on the fact that he seems not to have noticed that the quote alt-right is left-wing, right? So mm. saying that the left is a bigger threat than the alt-right, you know, is like, is like, 
it's just missing the point because they're both left wing. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, I don't, and, I don't when, know when, if he would agree that that the left is a bigger threat. I, I think he just focuses on it for a different reason. Well, and also, but he associates leftism with his classically yeah. liberal views, which really are more in line thing. with the political right. Right. But he's just using, he's just using left in the, the, the sloppy, lazy way that most pundits do, which is to refer to the Democrats well, or, or, or the way that I use it be, because I literally don't have the vocabulary to use anything else. If I'm trying to talk to another human, I don't, I don't have another word for that. Can like, I make a suggestion? If I'm trying to tell somebody I don't believe in God, like the word for that is atheist, but I don't like that word. So, Oh, you now you we could have a whole conversation about that, but I know no, we can. If you're talking, I would just say, I would just say, try to be precise. Right. And by the way, I'm not Roll claiming that I'm always good at this. I catch myself fucking up in this all the time. Right. But the, the best way of avoiding semantic confusion is to be precise. If you're talking about the Democrats, say the Democrats, right? If you're talking about yep. like the Democratic establishment as opposed to like po- populist wing of the Democratic Party, say that, right? But the Democratic establishment is right of the populist wing of the party. And every single Bernie Sanders supporter will tell you that themselves. They damn well know Hillary Clinton is on the right. You know, it's not like this is a secret. I mean, it's like an open secret. So the, 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 the tricky thing about the parties is that they're made up of these complex coalitions, right? And right-wingers like myself have never particularly cared for the, quote, socially conservative wing of the GOP, right? <laughs> we just pander to them in order to get their votes because that's the only way that you can get working class people to vote for the right is by appealing to their sexism and homophobia and racism. And I've always been a critic of the Southern strategy precisely because I saw that it was making a pact with a devil. And all it took was one demon named Donald Trump to come along and say, oh, wait a minute, a good 70 or 80% of the GOP electorate is actually left wing. The only thing they care about is hating gay people. Well, then I'll just do that. I'll just play that card, you know, or yeah, really actually strategy in his defense, though, he's actually not that his rhetoric isn't actually that homophobic. So that wasn't the best example. I would say no, but I mean, he was, I, he I would was say that raising, raising, decades mostly, ago that mostly he focused on them hating brown people and immigrants and foreign laborers, which is not only like, which is actually a better example, because not only is that bigoted, but it's also deeply left wing. It's deeply, deeply, deeply left wing. So let, let me be really clear here. If you are opposed to legal immigration, if you want it to be very difficult for somebody to immigrate legally, right? That's di- as to, you know, um, which is not the same thing as being opposed to illegal immigration, which of course I am. But if you're opposed to legal immigration because you're worried about you know, you know your your fellow plebs' ability to compete with somebody for whom English is a second language, that is deeply left wing. The idea that just because you know you you know you were born here, you deserve to have a job that pays a living wage, even if somebody else from somewhere else is willing to do it for cheaper, that is hostile to free trade capitalism. It is lefty. It is deeply, 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 deeply lefty. And if you're complaining about people outsourcing jobs to China, that's lefty. 
Like, I mean, that's fine if you hold that position, but don't pretend that's right wing. And so that's really where my disagreement is. It's just like, if you actually look at the ideas that they hold and the policies that they hold, the left is the problem. It's just that the alt-right happens to be lefty. And what mm. what Sam calls left is actually right-wing. Yeah. It's a precision of language thing. That's the term I was looking for. And the movie I was looking for is called The Giver. Ooh. And it's it's based off of a novel. I love uh, to check that out. It sounded interesting. Lois Laurie. It's 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 weird. It's one of those uh, weird psychological sci-fi future. Is it a utopia? Is it a dystopia thing? But it's very much built around this precision of language idea and the loss of uh, humanity in general and individual liberty. I think it. I, I think uh, listeners probably enjoy it. Yeah, and to clarify, I'm not. I'm not saying that you know. There's one one definition that is like you know, comes down from God written in tablets, correct definition. That's that's not my position, right? Because that would obviously be stupid. What no, I'm saying is- No, but if we're going to use any word, we should <laughs> use the word how it's defined. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just that the dictionary is a fairly useful way of making sure that we are not talking past each other, right? And, it, you know, if- if you're routinely using words in ways that contradict their official definitions, you're not you're 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 working very 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 hard to shoot yourself in the foot and make sure that everybody misunderstands you. Yeah, I mean, think about how difficult it is to have a conversation with somebody over Google Translate. Um, you know, even in the same language, we have those same we have those same problems. We need to figure out better ways of being more precise in saying what we actually mean and meaning what we actually say, as opposed to automatically assuming, you know, what the other people, what the other person thinks based on their tribal identifiers. And yes. This, this has been a long running theme for me on the show is, is this, it's, it's really, really fundamental. It's going back to core principles. It feels like cosmic, almost cosmically important to me to like, we need to do this. Like we need to treat people as individuals instead of trying to lump them into color coded categories that are little pretty boxes on the hillside. Like this is not how humans work. And it's the same thing. We cannot categorize people into a hierarchical structure based on their ethnicity, country of origin, or the color of their skin. The science, it doesn't work out, okay? If you try to do that, like I was saying earlier, the variation within groups is greater than it is between them. You can't classify people like that. You can't lump people into groups and say, oh, all of the people who are like this think that because that's not how humans work. And the first step to getting past all this is just getting that yeah. as the default state. If we can just get everybody to agree, they'll like, no, we need to remember what the fuck Dr. Luther Martin Luther King said when he said we need to judge people by the content of their character. Like, it's that return. It's that that's the seed. It's the conversation that's the tool to try and make it better. It's not going to work all the time. It's going to work a lot of the time, I think. I think people are inherently open to new ideas and discovery and wanting to learn and we can play to that 
we can play to that desire, that innate desire that's rattling around in the human genes, just like we can play to the outrage one. Because this is something that we all have. We were all born with it. We wanted to explore the world, to figure out how things work. You know, how many of us were kids taking things apart to figure out what was inside or, or sticking stuff in the light socket to see what that did? We just need to return to that. Yeah, no, I can obviously I completely agree about treating people as individuals as opposed to groups. But, you know, I mean, if I if I had to try to think of the closest thing I could think of to a universal definition of what is really meant by the terms left and right, it actually goes back to um, a classic debate about whether or not it's whether or not you should prioritize collectivism or individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that liberalism is right wing is because liberalism is all about centering individual liberty. Like I, like I, everybody who's listening to this, who thinks that I'm full of shit, go Google the word liberal, look Google liberalism and go read about it in an encyclopedia. Even Wikipedia is no. fine. You know, like just make sure you or- check it. The court. Or talk to a liberal in the UK, <laughs> but like you know, because they get it, they under they're, it's they're still very it's much. Liter- it's yeah. literally about centering individual liberty. It's about standing up for democracy. It's about standing up for capitalism, right? Capitalism, free trade, um, and so all of this stuff about you know human rights and equality under the law, um, what we now call LGBT rights. Um, civil rights, feminism, these all come from liberalism, which is capitalist and individualist and even explicitly pro-small government. So the, the, the word that we call libertarian today, the way we use the word libertarian because of the libertarian party, really actually just describes what classic liberalism is. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to talk a little bit about, about conservative and progressive. Um, so the first thing to notice about those is much like Democrat and Republican are not synonyms for left and right, conservative and progressive are also not synonyms for left and right or right and left as it may be. Um, they are words that literally mean somebody who wants to conserve something and somebody who wants progress somewhere. (laughs) Okay. That's what the words mean. So if you, if you live in a liberal democracy that values individual individuality and small government, um, then being a conservative means wanting to preserve that. Uh, and it could be that you want to preserve that, but also recognize that there's other areas where progress is needed. And all a conservative would be in that context is somebody who says, great, progress is cool. You know, like nobody's opposed to progress, but let's have an interesting conversation about what actually would constitute progress. You can't just claim the mantle of progressive. You have to back it up with an argument and you have to show me that the progress that you're proposing in air quotes, progress that you're proposing, isn't going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you can do that, then a conservative should be fine with your quote, progressive policy. Yeah, like a like a fifteen dollar minimum wage be, would be a good example. Yeah, if they can that. show that it won't cause more harm than good, and that it won't undermine yeah. things that our society is built on, 
then that's something that we can talk about. I, in the case of the minimum wage, I'm not so sure. I think it makes more sense to, I mean, I don't, I don't know, really want to get sucked into a big policy conversation, but I just think that it makes more sense to set minimum wages in local governments because economies vary wi- wildly within Hugely. the United States in terms, of, in terms of the cost of living. So if you try to force you know, a mom-pop coffee shop in Wisconsin and a small town in Wisconsin to pay the same amount of money that Starbucks pays in Seattle, that's not, that's not exactly, I would, I would say that's at least not optimal policy. Yeah, no, exactly. And that was one of the first, um, the first podcasts that I made around Yang's policy platform that wasn't tied to him at all was with the small business owner. And it was just based on this question of like, which scenario would play out better for you in this small rural town that's heavily dependent on tourism, you know, a $15 minimum wage or a guaranteed UBI for everybody. And it's like an easy question, you know, like it, a minimum $15 minimum wage federally sounds great in principle, but if, and and that's the problem with a lot of these ideas, they sound great in principle, but if you try to put them into practice that you get all sorts of fucky issues like if you raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour exactly what you said is going to happen all these mom and pop shops are going to have to shut down they're not going to be able to afford to fucking pay people and they already can't afford to give them healthcare and shit yeah you know they have an even more extreme policy than that um i've been told by bernie sanders supporters that the reason they can't support someone like yang is because he doesn't he quote doesn't support federally mandated rent control. Okay. Now let's think about that for a second. You're going to tell the country over every single landlord, what price they're allowed to set their rental at. doesn't matter whether you're in the Bay area or in Kansas. That is an incredibly stupid idea that would devastate the incomes of lots of middle-class people because not all landlords are rich. That is a terrible, 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 terrible idea. Also, by the way, rent control tends to benefit Older people, okay. I I leased a, a loft in downtown Los Angeles for a while, and I was paying for an eighth floor, two bedroom, two bath. I was paying significantly more money for that apartment than a man twice my age, who is much richer than I am, was paying for a three story penthouse because he moved down into that neighborhood first. And so he locked it in at a lower rate. What that means is younger people who usually have lower incomes have to pay higher, higher rents because the supply for apartments or houses in that, na- in that neighborhood is diminished because you can't ever get those old people out of those rent control departments. Hmm. It's just like people need to actually think through the possible negative consequences of policies they're proposing. Another example is um, California just passed a law that is intended, has good intentions. It's intended to prevent companies like Uber from taking advantage of contracted drivers, right? So they, they, they created this regulatory behemoth where they try to say that, you know, if somebody is providing, you know, if somebody works for you for like X number of hours or if they do certain kinds of work, then they can't be considered a contractor, right? The problem is they the way they the specific details of the way they wrote that law is so stupid that in practice it's meaning that freelance writers are literally losing gigs 
writing for publications because the publication suddenly says like, well, if you do more than 35 articles in a year for us, we have to make you an employee and we can't afford slash don't want to make you an employee. So we're just going to publish you less often. Mm. Is that good for those freelance writers? No. Well, what about musicians who are playing, you know, gigs at bars? They do more than 35 gigs at the same bar in a year. They have to be a full-time employee of that bar. That is going to kill, kill the livelihood of all of these freelance musicians. It's like people rely on those regular gigs. So good intentions alone do not make good policy. And just because you call something progressive doesn't mean that in practice, it's going to result in more, result in more good than bad. Yeah. Like literally that just sums up the conservative perspective right there is, Hey, can we like slow down and talk about this for a second? Yeah. And this, this is how you made me realize I'm apparently a conservative because there's so, <laughs> there are so many, welcome. I grew up a liberal, but apparently I'm a conservative. Um, you're, you're probably both. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, fundamentally it, I'm, I'm not trying to take on either as a, as a label, but I, I agree with you 1000% and it's the same it's this same kind of phenomena. God, why do I keep trying to bring it back here? Um, it it's with okay. Let's take. I guess I've already opened up this particular Pandora Pandora's box. So uh, <laughs> let's let, let's talk about um, trans activism because much of it is this good in spirit, but in practice creates a bunch of problems we see this in um public restroom facilities or in um you know um protected protected spaces like uh, women's um shelters and things women's prisons um there are very real concerns sports on the ground too. Yeah, yeah sports thank you um real very real concerns on the ground from women that are being largely ignored because the cultural default is to say, no, like if, as long as you say trans women are women, that means, you know, like anything goes and South park fucking nailed this with uh, the uh, strong woman episode that they had, where it was just like, they had some Randy Savage looking motherfucker calling himself Jessica or whatever, who can just storm in. And it's just like, that's a perfect that's a perfect illustration of these little tidbit answers that sound good in principle. They don't always work. Okay. This isn't kindergarten. You, you have to like, let's start with an idea and then unpack it as to how it will actually play out in society. Because a lot of the ideas being put forth by, by people who purport to be progressive are just like, completely like you were saying just throw the baby out with the bathwater just burn it all to the ground let's start with this new thing even though it's going to have a host of new problems that were already fucking solved by hundreds of years of fucking progress and you know women's rights and protections are the perfect fucking example of this because we've been fighting for the liberation of women for thousands of fucking years thousands of years that if that sounds hyperbolic i'll go hundreds of thousands of years because you know what i'm pretty sure two hundred thousand years ago there was some cave bitch who was a fierce ass bitch and there was some caveman who was coming across and trying to control her and she was like uh-uh motherfucker i'll show you what's what in grunts and and poop flinging or whatever went for communication back then but i am one thousand fucking percent certain 
that that fight has been going on for hundreds of thousands of years and it is not going to end because some <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not going to finish that sentence but you see where I'm going <laughs> you see where I'm fucking going yeah, I yeah, and, and like they in all fairness, yeah. in all fairness, lots of individual trans people would agree one hundred percent with everything you just said, right? So let's not paint them. No, no, no. With a broad I have one either. I have one coming on the show. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, great. It, Wonderful. Which, which is it's 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 just the rational position in the center to fucking take. It's not a radical position. This is another like dichotomy thing where like. If you yeah. if you take a position like no women's rooms should be for women, that's seen it that's seen as a radical position when really the radical position is no, we should allow any biological male who decides to call himself whatever into any women's protected space anywhere. That's the radical position. There needs to be a calm, centered ground somewhere, and of course, I mean, that like if you want to, if you want to offer nuance. like an all, if you want to offer like an all, all gender restroom as an alternative, as a third option, of course, right? that That's seems fine. irrational. You know, like some some thing. people, some people, like I mean, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but the reality is, some women might be uncomfortable going to the bathroom with a guy right next door, right? And I mean, like some, some, um, like some men might be uncomfortable with, you know, whipping their dick out in front of a strange lady for the urinal. Right. I mean, like, it's just, you know, I mean, and whether or not, not you like, agree <laughs> with the classification or degenderification or whatever, we have to respect those people's concerns because they are just as free in this free society that we built that we are and we have to yeah i i try to shit, i try to err on the side you know. of giving people more options not fewer options most of the time yeah i mean so if you you know a third bathroom like, would be fine like, yeah i know it, you the know, main barrier there is logistics it's like we have to go to every truck stop and restaurant in the fucking country and and it contract in a fucking whole third bathroom that's a big logistical nightmare it's like me well that might be more that might be more ADA compliant yeah. you know that might be a more useful work. that might be a, a better use of bernie sanders's federal jobs guarantee than you know <laughs> just restacking pieces of paper or breaking rocks for no reason oh fuck me yeah uh bernie sanders federal jobs guarantee building uh, gender neutral bathrooms there you go, kids. The next Donald, the next Donald Trump would have everybody in America building a wall. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, this fucking. Oh my god, this is gold. It's a drunk timeline, dude. This is this is absolute gold. <laughs> All right, I have so things. I would. I, by the way, I would also be opposed to the government telling private co private companies that they have to put in a third bathroom option. I'm, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, the government can set whatever standards it wants for government property. That that's another excellent point of well, like then they have to something to it. unpack there because because I got into shit for this um, around the uh, wedding cake conspiracy problem. Big big shit storm. Everybody was upset because some bakery refused to sell a cake to gay people, and I came out and. I'm, as the like they're entirely free to do that do we want the government stepping in and telling telling small business owners that they have to do business with certain people no and i i i i 
drew out the example. I'm like, okay, let's say I move out into the middle of nowhere and I buy a hotel, like an old holiday inn or something, and I renovate it and I get it really nice and sexy. I have a nice big conference room. If neo-Nazis roll through the fucking town on their way to some fucking white pride rally to go burn effigies of Obama and they want to rent out my conference room for a white pride rally as a business owner. Should I feel free to say, Oh, I'm sorry, we're booked. Or should I have to, should I be forced to accommodate them based on some government regulations that says, no, you can't, you know, it's just like, that's the level of, of shit here that we're talking about the level of government intervention that we're willing to tolerate. Do we want the government to come in and dictate who we have to do business with, or do we want the marketplace of ideas to play itself out and say, okay, if there's a hardware store down the street that says they're not going to sell hammers to faggots, uh, absolutely let them post that sign in their window absolutely let them be blasted on social media. But the second you say you want the fucking Gestapo to come in and shut them down from the government for saying that it's a step too far. That's yeah. I mean, let me play devil's advocate for just half a second though, because, (laughs) because like we all know, we all know intuitively, right. That if we were to get that libertarian paradise, um, which, you know, I'm ideologically completely on board with, right that the very people who are complaining about the fact that the government is trying to tell like a Christian bakery to bake a gay cake. Um, those people are the same exact people who lose their shit. Whenever somebody tries to organize a boycott of any of those businesses. <laughs> right. So they seem to forget that free speech is a double-edged sword. So that, that caveat needs to be st- said yes. like as, as is, as is so often the case, the, um, radicals on both sides are both equally ridiculous. Yeah. And and I, I think ultimately like framing, framing this all in Darwinian terms, I think is helpful because when we talk about basic shit, like evolution, the evolution of humans, the evolution of culture, it's, it's helpful to think of it in a Darwinian mindset, but we also need to think of the marketplace of ideas within a Darwinian context. Some shitty ones are going to pop up, and but you know what? If they're not strong enough to survive, they're not going to. And the best thing that we can do is call them out and just kind of be like the white blood cells of the, the public discourse. And I, I, think that's it i think i just found outrage machine in a fucking nutshell i think i just like well, encapsulated I, it in like yeah. a little single-celled organism that is now going to self-replicate <laughs> and and transform society i think we did it rio we accomplished our like mission meme. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh oh yeah yeah we just created a new meme it's gonna go viral it's gonna be great all right um <laughs> yeah I, I i do need to start wrapping up uh but um you said something that I think is worth touching on. You said you made me realize you're a conservative, right? Um, I think that, you know, like just like I said that, um, the Democrats and Republicans are like term, they're like these complex coalitions and it just doesn't really make sense to lump them all together. The same thing is true about a term like conservative or progressive, right? There are people who go by who self-identify, if you will, with those terms who may or may not have much of anything in common with one another, right? 
And part of the reason for that is because of exactly what I said, right? Like the interesting debate is about what constitutes progress. What, what would be a good thing to change and what would be a bad thing to change? What are things that are worth conserving, right? Most people, unless they're totally radical lunatics, would agree that there are at least some things about our society that are worth conserving. So everybody is at least a little conservative. I think that like we're, we all should be both progressive and conservative. We need to focus the conversation on what we consider progress and what we think is worth conserving. That's actually where the, the real interesting distinction lies between people. It, so another way to phrase that would be, God damn it. <laughs> there are higher and lower peaks on the moral landscape to pursue kids. <laughs> so uh, let's be very mindful of uh, which, which ones we, we uh, which valleys we traverse and which mountains we uh, climb as, as a species. And there are a lot more valleys than there are peaks. There are a lot more All valleys. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and really, actually, the opposite. It's sometimes it's useful if you're if you're trying to like contextualize a term and not really not just a term, but like an idea that the term represents. Sometimes it's useful to ask yourself what would be the opposite of that, right? Because like if progressive and conservative aren't mutually exclusive, I mean, obviously, when it comes to an individual issue, you kind of either you want to conserve it or, or progress beyond it in each individual issue. So in that. In that sense, they're they're locally dichotomous, but as in terms of a whole personal identity, somebody who's committed to conserving everything, no matter how good or bad it is, or progressing beyond everything, no matter how good or bad it is, is is an extremely stupid person, right? <laughs> so they're not mutually exclusive in terms of like self identity, uh, nor should they be. But the actual opposite of a conservative might be a radical, and the opposite of a progressive would be something like a regressive, right? Somebody who is advocating for policies that would make society actively worse would be regressive. And that's part of the reason why I, I reject theocrats um, from – I don't want to associate them with being part of any conservative movement that I would identify with because I think their ideas are trying to harken back to a time before the Bill of Rights. And I would not call that conservative. I'd call that regressive. It's literally regressing to before the Enlightenment. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's the clarification of terms thing. I, I, in my last conversation with Boone, used the phrase literally retarded it because it that's what it is. It's backwards. It's, it's not progressive and it's posing as progressive and it's, seems to be or in this case posing as conservative yeah. or, yeah. or, or, or I, yeah it's it, the, yeah. the same thing's happening on both sides and it, it's it's seems to be an egregious offense that ca that can't and shouldn't go uncalled out so I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we're both here to start the conversation i'm excited to see where this goes uh listeners out there if you enjoyed this fucking conversation uh let us know let me know on twitter uh at my podcast head yeah. to our website you, you, you touched <laughs> You touched on something else um, that's worth um, remarking on in conclusion, I think, which is um, you brought up the point, the, the, the thing of <laughs> the reality of globalization. Yeah. Let's call it that, right? Um, and I think that the pushback against globalization, and Yang is right to point out also automation really has the same de facto outcome as far as the labor force is concerned. Like you're either replaced by it by someone in China or by an immigrant or by a robot. And in 87% of cases, it's actually a robot, right? I'd, but I'd say in most cases, it's both. It's a robot immigrant. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Okay, but right. So, so, so here's here's here here's here's where the outrage machine is coming into play here. Okay, um, I mean, this is a cycle that humanity plays itself out over and over again. So this is nothing new, of course. It's just it's just that the the radicals who are the real enemies of conservatism, not progressives. Progressives are not necessarily enemies of conservatism unless they're radicals. The radicals in the alt-right and in the left um, are both responding to this phenomenon. They don't like their jobs being, you know, they took our gerbs, they took our gerbs, right? <laughs> That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, and some, some, so along comes a demagogue like Donald Trump who says, well, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry your poor, pretty head. It's all because of those evil brown people in China and coming over from Mexico and if you'll just like elect me as a strong man and let me run roughshod over democratic norms, I, then I can really straighten out these evil, evil establishment people who do not have the little guy's interests at heart, right? When in reality, the establishment people are just saying like, uh, like if you can't compete with someone for whom English is a second language, then like maybe you're the problem, but whatever. So there that comes. This, this, is, this is where the outrage machine on the left and the alt-right is coming from right now. And it does relate to conservatism in a way. And this is where on the right, insofar as Donald Trump was able to persuade anybody who was properly right-wing and not just a racist socialist, as I like to call them. And it's because he said, our society is changing so fast. If he were smarter, he might have mentioned robots because that's still an example of society changing, right? You know, we're more connected by technology. Um, we don't technically have open borders, but ideas from foreigners are seeping in through the internet. And this is this is changing society in ways that are scary to you and that are endangering your livelihood. And insofar as anybody is motivated by a desire to try to, try to preserve some aspects of American culture that they care about... Um, I'm actually fairly sympathetic to that. The, the main thing to say to those people is that you have to choose your battles. And if you're tilting your, your wheels and tilting at windmills, <laughs> running around your little hamster wheel, trying to you know, undo globalization or automation, let's reflect upon how likely you are to actually win that battle long-term. Because these are inevitable things that are just part of like the march of time. And sometimes you, you have to ask what can we do to conserve the things about our culture that we care about while acknowledging that there are certain things, certain battles that we just can't win. No. No, absolutely. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. And that, that is very much in the spirit of exactly what I'm trying to get at, which made you the perfect, perfect person to light the fuse on this, uh, project for me so thank you very <laughs> like like literally cosmic gratitude to you sir for being so generous with your time and hanging out with me and helping me start this conversation because it needs to be had i'm not quite sure how to have it yet but it's people like you who make that possible so thank you well that was very generous of you to say i appreciate it well, I love you, man. I can't wait to talk to you more and 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 dig into this because it's it, there is a million places to go. There there really is, and it it really just comes down in most cases to core principles, to acknowledging basic things 
Like, I feel like if we had all just learned game theory and evolutionary biology, like in high school, none of this would be a problem. Um, you know, cause it's, you not- know, it actually, <laughs> it, it, it certainly couldn't hurt. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> um, not everything. You know, evolutionary game. biology, evolutionary biology is an interesting metaphor for like what we were saying about democracy. You know, the thing, the best way to ensure that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and that the progress that you make truly does constitute progress and moves us forward instead of backward as a society um, is to use the democratic process of saying like, okay, this is an idea I think is good, but before I can pass it, I have to persuade at least 51% of my fellow Americans that it's also a good idea. And then when we, when, you know, when it actually gets passed, we're probably going to have to make some concessions at the other side and you know, that's okay. Maybe it'll make it better. Maybe not. We'll see. You roll it out. And then over time, much like the mutations in the evolutionary process over time, society gets to try out different things and says this worked or that didn't work. If it didn't work, let's try something else. If it did work, maybe let's try a little more of that, right? That is how we've made the progress we've made. Across the board as a species. I mean, when it, and this is, this is tying it back to like, it, it is totally Darwinian. Keep the things that work, the things that work, they replicate the things that don't work. They get phased out or they get diminished to obscurity, like vestigial organs. We need a lot of the things happening now in our social discourse to become they can hang around. They can become fringe views. They just need to be vestigial, yeah. and and yeah, if they yeah. get and, fucked and, up and, like a like a like a appendix or something, and they're about to rupture, <laughs> then you need to cut them the fuck out. Yes, agreed. I was about to say I can't pass up the opportunity to say that you know if you think that trying communism yet again is the answer, right, or fascism, you're not learning from history, right? You're not learning the lesson of the evolutionary process that was selected out already for good reason. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it only improves by better shit. You know, it's like science is only ever disproved by better science, you know, survival Mm -hmm. of the fittest. That's, that's. Yeah. Yeah. And the solution, the solution to, um, to problems with democracy, to bad democracy is better democracy and more democracy. It's not, you know, fascism, right? The the, the, the solution to the problems with our capitalist system is better capitalism. It's it's more fair regulations, right? Anybody who tries to tell you they oppose all regulations is a lunatic, right? That's not capitalism. That's anarchy, right? What the right wing cares about is we're like, okay, cool, regulations, let's make them fair, right? Let's make them so that they equally apply to everybody instead of singling out certain groups of people and privileging them with your regulations, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it, 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 you know what? It, this is exactly it. The, the solution is, is better conversation. So if you didn't like this one, the way to uh, challenge it is with better ideas. And if you have some better ideas and you'd like to share them, please reach out because I am one of those people who is willing to listen to you. Uh, the wrong answer is, is as Rio just says, they, they'll burn it to the ground, deplatform me there are probably going to be a handful of people who are going to try to do that uh, throughout the production of this series. And uh, I mean, fucking go for it, but I like my way better. Uh, what do you think, Rio? Any, any closing uh, thoughts before we, <laughs> before we uh, continue on with our evenings here? Do you have any last plugs or anything? 
Nope, that sounded good to me. I'll just remind everybody, you know, go look for the Moving Forward podcast on your favorite app. Um, It's a new podcast with a growing audience, so you may have to search for Moving Forward Rio in order to find it, but it'll show up. It's the one with an American flag. We're very patriotic. We love Mm. America. Even my lefty buddy, Corey, loves America. So come listen. You know, they don't even have to look that far because you are a featured content creator on our website, mindwave.media. Uh, and you will find them in the sandbox along with all our other podcast pals and YouTube friends. So direct link over to Rio and Corey's show. You will probably really enjoy that. I fucking love it. Uh, go listen to that. Thanks for listening and being a part of this cracking open of the nut of the outrage machine. That is many, 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 many months overdue, but, uh, uh, a, a very welcome so that was fucking awesome man like this uh, gold that was a success i'm calling it a success i fucking love it <laughs> i enjoyed it too all right well take care man and and uh, again thanks for hanging out with me and helping me on this crazy adventure that is probably going to see me deplatformed and strung up from a tree but whatever <laughs> i hope not all right take care cheers Holy shit, that was fun uh, and amazing. You guys need to know that like, this is the most important thing I think I've ever done. Uh, and if you liked it and want to help make more of it happen, uh, really, please consider becoming a friend of the show. Uh, I'm not selling my ass to advertisers. I've been very clear about that. Um, so if you want to be a part of this with me, head to mindwave.media. Become a friend of the show. Help support this work. Um, because I'm not going to have anybody on this fucking planet telling me what I can and can't say on this show. Big dick energy, Mindwave 2020, baby. Uh, the Mindwave podcast is produced by Studio Stargazer. Copyright 2020. I'll get that... Uh, that part of the production sequence done soon man i'm just getting this out <laughs> it's uh it's 2 a.m which is actually kind of cool because i was planning on it was, i was going to drop it at midnight but uh it's 2 2 2 a.m works too so <laughs> uh yes please join us mindwave.media let's uh let's kill this outrage machine shit can we i mean fuck or let's try. It's it's worth it, right? I love you guys. Thanks for listening.